What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of Saturdays and Seltzers. We have an early episode for you guys this week, so it is going to be a two-episode week. Lots of NFL and college football stuff going on, so I am here to recap all of that for you and preview Wild Card Weekend. So let's have a great show. So excited to be here. Thank you guys for listening. Let's go. It's Saturday. Yeah. Gonna talk a little bit, sip a little bit. Sarah, Kendra, I see you ladies. Y'all know what time it is. Uh. Looking like you just graduated. Coming from a place that y'all gravitate. Looking like a boss, I just had to say. I know you got the sauce, no potato bread. All right, sis, knock him out, Mike Tyson. What is up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of Saturdays and Seltzers. My name is Kendra Middleton. I am without Sarah today just because there is so much football stuff going on right now that I wanted to sort of chat and catch up with you guys um, just on football stuff alone. So I got to talk about how Sunday was the best day ever. Quite literally the best day ever. The Jags won. And they beat the Colts, which traditionally, you know, the Colts do have a tough time playing in Jacksonville. That's no secret. They never, ever play well in Jacksonville. Honestly, neither do the Bills. But the Jags won because the Lions beat the Packers, which I'll get into later. I have tons of things to say about that. We still kept the first overall pick and all of my picks for DraftKings Sportsbook went four for four on the weekend. And to top that all off, your girl is once again a fantasy football champion. And I actually tweeted about that. Um, And I have to tell you guys, I am actually a fraud. I know you guys know that I talk a lot of shit about Carson Wentz and how much I think he is just such an absolute bozo. Like, he's just such a dweeb. And I'm actually glad I don't have to watch him in the playoffs. But I did pick up Carson Wentz this week thinking, you know, here's my thought process. If you guys have followed this show at all, you know that I have Aaron Rodgers and I wound up picking Joe Burrow up early in the season as a backup. Um, And I I only started Burrow over Rodgers, I think, during their bye week and when Rodgers had COVID. Um, But with both of them basically wrapping up the season and not really needing to play last week, I was a bit concerned as far as points heading into a championship game. So I did pick up Carson Wentz. Obviously, he played like shit. Thank God he got me some garbage time points or I probably wouldn't have won this game. Um, Someone on Twitter asked for my fantasy football advice, though, just because I like to consider myself, you know, a little bit of a fantasy football, you know, guru, I guess you could say. I've been playing since I was like 15 and I've probably won say six or seven out of those 10 years so I don't know I I like to think that I am pretty decent at fantasy football and obviously fantasy football has changed football has changed but I will tell you guys what wound up working for me this year I know I've mentioned a couple of these tips on our regular show and before next football season I will absolutely do an entire show dedicated to fantasy football who I'm taking who I like who I don't like all of that sort of stuff, but what worked for me this year was absolutely taking special teams earlier than most people would. You know, those kickers, you know, the with the high-powered offenses, the Harrison Buckers of the world, the Mason Crosbys, those types of people are guaranteed, you know, 8 to 12 points a week. 
And I think that in fantasy football, those guaranteed points are sort of what makes the difference. I also wound up taking not one, but two defenses really early. I wound up taking the Bills and the Bucks defense really early. And like I said, those are guaranteed points. Defenses are one of those slots in fantasy football that I feel can really make or break you from time to time. You know, like your defense can either keep those 10 points going for you or they can cost you points. And I think that those guaranteed points, like I said, are the most important things in fantasy football. And people always think that I'm crazy for taking kickers and defenses early, but it always works out. Um, my other huge piece of advice is obviously playing the waiver. To, But, you know, I like to play the waiver to potentially ice my upcoming opponent. So let's say that they're weak in one place of their game or one of their players got hurt. I will take that player's backup or I will take the best person available just so they cannot have them, whether I plan on starting that person or not. And a lot of people think that's dirty, but like I don't really give a shit. Like I don't give a shit at all. Like it's it, we're here to win. We're not here to make friends. We're already friends. So if you don't like how I play, that's that's on you. Your feelings are not my problem. I also like to look at depth charts. So like I said, if someone goes down, I like to, especially if you're, you know, taking these players who are injury prone, I like to take their backup or hold the backup of theirs just in case that happens because it does, you know, like their running backs get hurt a lot and they get a lot of touches often. So it's like those are those are guaranteed points. And it's like I don't want to take someone that I think is injured without their backup behind them. So I often do do that as well. Um, And I also would say don't draft more than two players from the same team. That can get you in trouble when the bye week comes, slumps come. That can be all bad. So I don't recommend, you know, and it's like it's hard because you look at teams like the Chiefs and the Rams and stuff like that. And it's like they have great players. They have great weapons. But once the bye week comes around or if they hit a slump, you're screwed because that chemistry is off. And now you have way too many players on one team. So definitely spread out your draft picks. And I basically to the same point, be careful on drafting receivers on stacked rosters. As much as, you know, Chris Godwin's awesome, Mike Evans is awesome, and Antonio Brown at one point was awesome, it's like Tom Brady still has to spread the ball out between them and Gronkowski and the run game and stuff like that. So it's like as much as those guys do get points, you know, some games aren't their games. Um, And yeah, that's that's just what worked for me this season. Like I said, I will absolutely do an entire show dedicated to this before football season next year, but I am definitely relieved (laughs) I didn't know okay so if you listen to last week's show I said that I thought I lost our championship game by one point I did not know that it was a two-week playoff so I did wind up winning um such a relief I think that I won a couple hundred bucks so that's dope um but yeah congrats to anybody else who won their fantasy football championship I do want to move into the NCAA championship game This was awesome. I actually do want to know what your GOAT, like, game day snack is just because the Super Bowl is, you know, quickly approaching us and I'm such a foodie that I want to know what you guys love because maybe I will bring it to my Super Bowl party. But this game was so, so fun. I I know people love to see offense and all that kind of stuff, but I'm such a defensive football fan, and the fact that there were only field goals for the first half of the game was fucking so fun to me. I know most people don't feel that way, but as cliche as this sounds, defensive football 
wins championships. And Georgia stayed in this game by limiting Alabama's offense to field goals and not touchdowns. If you let Alabama's team score touchdowns on you, especially because you have Stetson Bennett under center, you're not going to win that game. And that was the key to Georgia winning that game was their freaking defense showing up and dominating the trenches. And that's absolutely what happened. I had... um sort of a controversial tweet about the officiating some people who were Alabama fans obviously weren't happy about it do I care no I said actually let me pull up this tweet so I can properly quote it for you guys um of what I said about the officiating in this game so when did I tweet this let's see sorry I'm scrolling back on my Twitter this is making me realize how much I tweet (laughs) so I said and this is a quote I have to say one of my favorite things about the game last night was the officiating and I do not say that often. I mean who does these days? It was a good game a fair one. Things that needed to take time took time and that's what you want to happen. On to draft season we go. The officiating in this game I thought was absolutely awesome. A lot of people that were Alabama fans were in my mentions complaining that Georgia got away with holds and blah 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 the entire game and it's like no this this officiating was great. In a national championship game you And I hate to say anything to do with the boys, but you do absolutely have to let the boys play. This is SEC football. It's a national championship game. I think they got every single call right that they reviewed. I thought that it was a great game. They were fair. And I don't really care if you disagree. I, I think the officiating far too often is something that people like to use as a scapegoat. And Alabama absolutely could not use the officiating as a scapegoat in this game. I did see a quote from Stetson Bennett after the game saying that he it's a mindset thing and you have to think that you're the best and he thinks he's the best quarterback and personally I think that he will never ever play a snap in the NFL ever. There were plays and mistakes and throws by him in that first half that you just it doesn't matter if you're a rookie in the NFL, you have to be able to make decisions better than he did in that first half. And I, I also said on Twitter that I just don't think that he could shake those jitters soon enough in the first half. And eventually he did get the ball rolling in the second half, which is why they came out on top. They got those two later touchdowns. And and that was it. That was game. But it did look like he needed to settle down because some of the decision making that he had going on for him I just was sitting there like this kid's never gonna play in the NFL and the fact that he had the balls to say that he's the best quarterback are you kidding me like that's just absurd to me and it's like I get that athletes have to have you know this mindset of I'm the best to be the best or whatever but at what point is it just delusional to say that like Stetson freaking Bennett are you kidding me um another thing I'm going to say nice about Alabama is You know, as much as I love Auburn and I love Auburn football and I love the Auburn Tigers, I love Nick Saban. I really do. And I would be a liar. Anyone would be a liar to say that they don't want him on their team. His press conference when he paused the show to be like, this game does not define these two young men. They are outstanding. They have great careers ahead of them. And it's like, I know that this has happened prior, but it's just like, I think that because of Alabama's greatness, whenever they are not perfect, the media rips them more than anyone else. And I'm saying that as an Auburn fan. I am saying that as an Auburn fan. The media is often unfair to these guys when they are not perfect. And they had a great season. They had an awesome season. That Auburn game was the most, probably the second, oh God, I don't know. When I rank my 
heartbreak as a sports fan, that is up there for me. That, the Miles Jack return or er, revoke touchdown, and the Auburn Final Four game in March Madness a couple years ago on that double dribble call. I think that those are the three most heartbreaking moments for me as a sports fan. And that's just they they had a great season. You can't take it away from them. I think every fucking everyone had them favored in this game. And how do you not when they have Nick Saban and a fucking Heisman Trophy winner? Speaking of, I did find a stat that I haven't seen anyone else post. Um, so this is, you know, shout out to Sarah. This is my moment of being a writer and doing the research. Um, the last Heisman Trophy winner to participate in a national championship game and lose was Marcus Mariota before Bryce Young last night. So I thought that that was a really interesting stat, just how dominant these Heisman Trophy winners have been when participating in a national championship game. Um, So that was a lot of fun. I think Manti Teo still had a girlfriend at that point, so also interesting. Um, A lot of people were also pointing to Alabama losing because of injury. I am so sorry for Jamison Williams. That knee injury was gross, but at least he, like, got up and kind of walked off. I do still think that he will be taken, you know, somewhat early, but that injury, damn, that probably cost him a lot of money. The Mechie injury as well. Um, But I don't, like I said, I don't think Alabama lost this game because of injury because they, they have more depth than anyone else, let's be honest. When you're a four- and five-star recruit, and Alabama's looking at you, you go there. You have depth. You have more depth than anyone. They lost because Georgia's defense kept Georgia in the game until the fourth quarter, until Stetson Bennett acted like he was playing in a national championship game. And that's what happened, and I don't really care if you disagree. Alabama failed to establish a run game, which I feel is so crazy considering the plethora of running backs that have come out of Alabama and how successful they have been in the NFL. I think that that was their biggest failure for me. That was their biggest failure for me. I think had they established a better run and kept their running backs who were chasing the hot hand on the field, they probably would have put up more more points. And more points obviously wins the game. So I think that that was the biggest failure for Alabama for me. Um, and, you know, my last comment on this game was – that I just kind of love Kirby Smart. I think he's kind of the man. I'm glad he finally beat Nick Saban. And, you know, to to take home a natty at that. I did also, going back to Twitter, and I hate to be that person that's like, well, Twitter this, Twitter that. Uh, you can follow me at Kenny with an I Middleton on Twitter if you love a decent sports shit post. I said that I would love for Kirby Smart to voice Alexa or Siri just because his southern accent really throws me for a loop. So, Those are my comments about the national championship game. If you have any, please feel free to join the conversation with me on Twitter or send me a DM on Instagram or any of those places that you can find me. I would love to chat about it, but I'm going to move on to week 18 in the NFL. The playoff picture has finally shaken out, thank God, because... This was the most confused I've ever been trying to understand the playoff picture heading into week 18. It was just an absolute shit show and so hard to figure out. But that being said, I love week 18. You guys know that I crave chaos and this was nothing short of chaos. I'm so pro week 18. This was awesome. Um... This was the honestly the craziest Sunday of football I can remember. I all because of the Jags, which is fucking awesome. Um... I don't know is this was this the craziest week you guys have ever experienced because I in my 25 years of life I and watching football 
religiously every Sunday my entire life. I think I can most confidently say that this was it. Um, I'm going to start with the Saturday games, though. Uh, Chiefs at Broncos. I don't have a ton from this game other than injury concerns me for the Chiefs heading into the postseason. I did read a quote from Andy Reid published by Sports Illustrated yesterday. This is a little bit mouthy, so hang with me here. Really, the only injury is Clyde, and he's making great progress. I think we will be able to get a little work out of him this week. We'll see how the next couple of days go. He's got great attitude and wants to be in and out there. Um, He did not practice in this week leading up to the Chiefs game against the Cincinnati Bengals or Denver Broncos, but Reed's indication is that he should be on the field at some point this week. For me, this feels like the end of the year heading into the playoffs Injury update, usual BS. I don't think we'll really know anything until game time, you know. And that that's really my only comment from this game. You know, the Broncos, I do think, kind of suck. The Chiefs kind of scare me only because there is injury, but the road to the Super Bowl still has to go through Arrowhead, and that's a tough place to play. Patrick Mahomes has gotten out of his slump. Um, I do really if I do really feel like Tyreek Hill might be injured though. Like he did not look health, healthy, and they're saying it's a heel injury. And I I did see a tweet from my roommate saying that keeping Tyreek Hill in the game when he was clearly injured kind of maybe proved Antonio Brown's point a little bit and as much as I hate Antonio Brown I do kind of agree with that like Tyreek Hill was very clearly injured and they kept him in the game knowing that he was injured and it's like you guys don't even need to win this game to be in the playoffs you're playing for seating like get him the fuck out of there so I I do have some concern surrounding Tyreek Hill and his injury and the Chiefs being banged up as usual but I I don't think you can count out Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey heading into the postseason with home field advantage. Um, As far as the Washington game at the Giants, the Giants were the talk of social media this week. They were an absolute fucking mess. They wound up firing their general manager and then eventually, you know, after all the ruckus on social media about Joe Judge, they finally let him go after that horrific QB sneak on third and nine. I mean, what the fuck was that? That was probably the worst play call I have ever seen. Um, The Giants did wind up securing the fifth overall pick after going four and 13. Now they have a GM spot open, a head coaching spot open. They're certainly the team in the state of New York that I'm the most concerned about, I think, especially in New York City. I think even the Jets are in a better place than them moving forward. They really, really, for me, it's like, it's the same situation with the Jags. It's like, I don't understand why we haven't fired our GM yet just because it doesn't really matter if you bring in a new head coach if the people at the top are still idiots. It's like it, it doesn't like how can you how can you fire one and not the other in my opinion if there's very significant problems going on. Um, I just think Joe Judge is absolutely inept and I think that they honestly probably did this because they know that the coaching market is so hot and with Brian Flores being fired I think the pressure is getting to them and it lit a fire under their ass saying hey if you want a decent coach you better get him now because you know you I don't think I've said this before I don't think McDaniels is going to leave New England just because he's in line for the throne and he's tried to leave before and didn't wind up leaving so why would he leave now but it's like do I think he should yeah probably but it's like you have all of these head coaches you have left which you have Kellen Moore you have Biennemi who could be leaving you have Brian Flores who the Dolphins were stupid to let go I'll, I'll get into that when I talk about the Dolphins game 
But I think that it was just that this market's so hot that it's like, all right, well, if we're going to get rid of this guy, we need to at least do it now, especially because it makes the job more intriguing when you're hiring a GM if they can hire a coach and you have this, you know, fifth pick and all of those sorts of things. Same situation with the Jags, you know. Um, But I would love if you are a Giants fan, if you let me know who you want to see in your front office, in your locker room, tweet me, DM me, like I said, all of the places you can find me on the interwebs. I think everyone's favorite game of the week was the Colts at Jags game. Um, It was awesome. Whether you are a Jags fan or not, seeing the Colts get clowned in a stadium full of clowns and getting kicked out of the playoffs, I think that we might have to wear clown outfits forever, especially if we keep bulky, which it's starting to seem like could happen. And if we hire Bill O'Brien, holy crap, um, I'm wearing a clown outfit forever. Even if I'm sitting on my damn couch, clown out forever. Clearly something worked. I also have to shout out the new queen of Duval, the girl who was answering the trivia question and she just goes d fire bulky that was iconic i don't know if you have seen that please go look at it if you have an ultimate ultimate troll job by her i would love to be her friend if you know who she is send her my way um like i said earlier the colts just don't play well in jacksonville they haven't won in jacksonville and i think it was like four or five seasons so uh, and i said that to my roommate this week i was like you know don't either either don't bet on this game or take the Jags because they the the Colts just do not play well in Jacksonville for some reason and and not to take away from the team win it was a good team win it was good for Trevor's mindset going into the offseason I'm just concerned this helped Bavel potentially stay in Jacksonville like I know that he's at least getting an interview now um but that's my concern because now that especially if we keep bulky like I said it's like you keep the GM especially a GM that isn't well liked that takes away from our head coaching opportunities because people potentially don't want to be there because of that and it's like you have if we don't if we fire our GM on top of having a young quarterback who is one of the best prospects we have seen in decades you know I think the best prospect we have seen since probably Andrew Luck I've said that before you have head coaching job open you have all 70 million dollars in cap space you have a first pick I think that if you eliminate bulky from that situation this is the hottest coaching job on the market the hottest job on the market if you take bulky out of it so and I know a lot of people feel that way um if you missed the episode where I kind of ranked my favorites for potential head coaches for the Jags that episode was a few weeks ago so go check that out I absolutely went on a rant if you want to know my thoughts there I don't know I think that if we took Bill O'Brien that would be the dumbest thing we could ever do especially because after this national championship game he looked like shit like his team only kicked field goals and he's an offensive coordinator at Alabama with the best fucking offensive talent in the country regardless of injury and it's like what do we think he's gonna do in fucking Jacksonville then like that's so stupid I I just think how how do you sell tickets to a fan base when you have bulky still at your GM you hire Bill O'Brien who nobody wants coming off of this fucking shit show of an offensive national championship loss and you already have a pissed off fan base like I just I don't understand how they expect to sell tickets um welcome to my weekly fuck Ben Roethlisberger the Steelers Ravens game I my first comment about this game is that Tyler Huntley is kind of the man Obviously, it is impossible to fill Lamar Jackson's shoes. Um, My concern for the Ravens right now is Huntley's value. 
Like, do you trade him? Do you not trade him? He has so much upside in the fact that for the Ravens, he is so similar to Lamar Jackson's play style that you almost don't have to have a separate game plan if, God forbid, Lamar does go down again. Like, their styles are so similar that you can almost keep, like, the same game plan no matter what for Huntley. And, I, and it, like I said, it's impossible to replace Lamar Jackson, but it's like, I, I'm so confused whether... It kind of reminds me of the Gardner Minshew situation in Jacksonville. It's like he had such a good preseason last year that it's like, okay, well, you kind of have to trade the guy now while his value's so high and get something for him because clearly we have Trevor Lawrence. He's not going to be the starter. They have Lamar Jackson. Huntley's never going to be the starter there. I think he proved that he could be like a semi semi-decent starter in the NFL but he's definitely a fucking phenomenal backup so it's like I think that's like the most confusing thing for the Ravens heading into the postseason for me just because they they did have a lot of injury this year like the Ravens are going to be fine Lamar's locked up they have so much talent that and and honestly Harbaugh's a good coach so I, I just I I'm not really worried about anything other than potentially that for them um, I don't know how the fuck the Steelers got into the postseason. Like, it pisses me the fuck off. Ben Roethlisberger blows so bad. He's definitely the worst quarterback in the postseason for me, other than, like, I don't know, maybe Jalen Hurts. But still, even then, um, I can't wait to watch the Chiefs fucking wreck the Steelers this weekend. Um, Packers at Lions. I... I have (laughs) we have a saying around these here parts go Lions all my homies love the Lions good for Dan Campbell and the Lions thank God they won this game the Packers are obviously well they were my Super Bowl pick before this game and they obviously still are I don't think they can lose the NFC I don't see how they lose the NFC unless something fucking insane happens um I do still wholeheartedly believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to win the town and yes town not city if you've ever been to Green Bay it is a fucking town of Green Bay a title and absolutely peace the fuck out um the Packers didn't need this game but huge for the Lions to go into the postseason and for Dan Campbell after beating the Packers I don't think there's a better way to go into the postseason other than you know beating the Super Bowl favorites and the MVP I think that that's fucking awesome for their confidence it's also just so Lions for them to not accept the gift of the first overall pick from the Jags like there's no way that they didn't know that hey if we just you know lose this game right now we'll get the first pick like they had to know that the Jags beat the Colts or that the Jags were beating up on the Colts um but I I honestly think that's kind of the right move you know you you head into the postseason beating Aaron Rodgers and the Packers fuck it you know that everybody knows that the two edge rushers are going to be one and two it's just going to be a matter of who takes who and that's that um also the Patriots at Dolphins game clean sweep for the NFL teams in the state of Florida last weekend I think that this it's not the first time that I've seen Mac Jones look like a rookie because that would be a stupid statement Um, he's obviously looked at like a rookie at certain times in certain games during certain plays but I think that this was the first whole game that I have seen Mac Jones look like a rookie. There were bad mistakes, bad throws, bad decisions. Not what you want from a rookie heading into the postseason, but the fact that they even have a rookie quarterback that's playing this well heading into the postseason speaks for itself. Granted, he has been the best rookie so far out of this class this season, but he was also put in the best situation as a rookie. Um, Back to the Brian Flores thing, too. Brian Flores being fired might be the most shocking firing I have seen in my 25 years of life. You're coming off of a seven-game win streak, almost playoff eligible, 
and you're fired after beating a playoff-bound Bill Belichick Patriots team. Has that ever happened before? Like, has a coach ever been fired after beating a playoff-bound team or a Bill Belichick team for that matter? I just, that's outrageous to me. I think the issue is the Dolphins have really unrealistic expectations about their head coach and their franchise. Um, I I think that that's what it boils down to me. It's like, you guys are not a you guys aren't a Super Bowl caliber team right now. It doesn't mean you can't be. Like, Jalen Waddell is obviously the future for you guys. I don't know if Tua Tagovailoa falls into that. I don't think that he doesn't. It's just a matter of can he be the Tua we saw the second half of the season or is he going to be the Tua we saw the first half of the season? It's just like, you guys, I Brian Flores was, people are fighting to fucking interview him right now and you guys just let him go. Um I, th- I think that Flores will wind up in a decent situation. I'm not sure who the Dolphins should go for. If the two rumors are also true, I don't think that I want Flores in Jacksonville, even if it's not true. I'm not sure. I think that I'd rather play something safe there. I do like that he runs the RPO, which I obviously love for Trevor. I'm just concerned about the rumors. It's like if he's having trouble, if him and Tua aren't getting along, and that's the reason that this – coaching situation didn't work out why would we want to and it's we might not even ever know if this is true or not that's just the speculation and it's like if we bring in a head coach who was having who was fired for having issues with his quarterback do we really want to bring that to Jacksonville with a quarterback who is sort of in like a make or break place right now in his career you know like he was the number one pick last year was one of the best prospects we've ever seen like I said got thrown into a fucking situation with Urban Meyer who was kicking his players and cheating on his wife after he just got married and all of that kind of stuff he's just I think that his career is in such a fragile place that I'm not sure that's something I'm willing to risk even though I do think Flores is a great coach on to the 49ers Rams game a lot of people have trust in the 49ers heading into the playoffs, and I just am not one. I think that after the season, it is Trey Lance time. Jimmy G's career just feels like inevitably over for me, even though he made it into the postseason. I don't know. I just, that's that's how I feel. Um, Debo Samuel did scare me for a second in fantasy with that passing touchdown. Like, uh, that scared the shit out of me for a second. Like, I was favored for so much. And you know how, like, in fantasy football, it'll do, like, your win percentage? My win percentage, like, jumped down after that happened for a second, and I had, like, a mini panic attack. Um... I I just feel like they're totally going to make a first round exit. I know a lot of people don't feel that way. People are like, well, they're built for the playoffs. You look at, you know, Devo and Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think Jimmy Garoppolo's name is just so overrated because of his few wins with the Patriots. And I don't know. I just I'm not on the Jimmy G vibe, even though he's sexy. Also, Matt Stafford kind of sucks. He threw two interceptions. Yeah, he threw three TDs, but which interception is going to be the big one? You can't go into the postseason averaging multiple interceptions a game because defenses are just going to eat you up. And I'm sick of hearing people say, well, his receivers have all of these accolades. Like, look at Cooper Cup and Calvin was blah, blah, blah. Sorry. <laughs> Calvin Johnson when he was in Detroit but it's like hello he's Matt Stafford he's he's the Matt Stafford we saw in Detroit like that's just he's just more mature that's just that's just what it is in my opinion like he is the Matt Stafford from the Lions just with 
more receivers around him. Um, congrats to Cooper Cup, though. Hell of a season. I do want to know you guys' thoughts on record records that are being broken with this extra game, though, just because a lot of people are like, well, it shouldn't count or there should be new rules or blah, blah, blah. I don't really care. Like, it doesn't bother me. The NFL's changed. It always has. It always will. It's just, it's how it's going to be. Um, but congratulations to Cooper Cup. I want to know how you guys feel about record breaks with the new NFL extra week. Um, Chargers at Raiders was probably the most exciting game ever. The day the Jacksonville Jaguars almost eliminated Ben Roethlisberger. All of America honestly wanted a tie. And I don't, I think that that Brandon Staley timeout really fucked it up for everyone. Um, do we, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, there was like a viral clip of a Chargers player saying that they were going to take the knee or a Raiders player saying they were going to take the knee until Staley called that timeout. And all of you idiots on Twitter that are like, fire Brandon Staley oh my god blah 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 no shut the fuck up he's a good coach he's a fucking phenomenal coach if you've seen any of his viral speeches at all this season you know that like it was a fuck up get over it like he's a great coach the fucking Chargers have a great future ahead of them with Justin Herbert like you guys are gonna be fine he's a gunslinger you guys are fine but all America did want a tie Raiders in Chargers out My big question for the Chargers as they go home is Keenan Allen's future because his contract is over. Does he retire? Does he sign a one-year deal? I think he absolutely has to sign at least a one-year deal and stick it out because Justin Herbert is heading into his third year in the NFL. He is fucking phenomenal. This team is great. And I think that as... You know, they kind of they kind of shocked a lot of people this year. And I think that people expected them to be good, but I think they shocked some people. And I think that next year they might be in a place where their team is mature enough and stable enough that they could make a really decent run and maybe, I don't want to say Super Bowl aspirations, but like they're good enough to be in the conversation. So I really would love to see Keenan Allen stick around for a year. I think that that would be huge for them. It'd be huge for Justin Herbert. Um, But I do think that maybe they have to start thinking about his replacement in a draft. Uh, Maybe someone young for Herbert to bond with. I don't know. I I think that that's the biggest question for them heading into the postseason for me. Um, And I do wish that Justin Herbert ran his own social media so I could, you know, sup, but here we are. I do want to get into my playoff picture and predictions, who I do and do not want to play um, or who I wouldn't want to play because the Jags obviously aren't in the postseason. Um, Titans and Packers are both on a bye. I want to know if you guys are a bye week lover or a bye week hater, just because obviously it gives your team some time to rest and recuperate and all of those sorts of things before you head into the stretch of the postseason. But also you can get kind of cold. You can get kind of stiff if you're out of the competition for a little while. But I want to know how you guys feel. I think that I am a bye week hater just because, as you guys know, I'm pro riding the hot hand. The Saturday games start out with the Raiders at the Bengals. This matchup, I think, confuses me the most. The Bengals are the better team, in my opinion, but the Raiders are playing with house money. But, um, get it? Because they're Vegas Raiders playing with house money. Ha ha! Um, But teams without expectations kind of scare me, and I don't think the Raiders have any expectations. This would be my upset game if I had to call one, though. Um... 
I, I think that they just when teams have a fuck it mindset, that's when things get kind of dangerous for me. And I think that the Raiders absolutely have a fuck it mindset after a tragedy back to back all season for them. Good for them for making the postseason after everything that happened with John Gruden and Henry Ruggs. I thought that this team would mentally collapse and they are in the fucking postseason. If I were a betting woman, I would take the Bengals, but this would be my upset watch if you are looking for one. Um I'm rooting for Joey B, but honestly, good, good for the Raiders. You guys know I love Daniel Carlson, so I, I'm happy either way here, but I am, I am cheering for the Bengals. Patriots at Bills. I will be working for Nesson during this game, so I'm really, I'm so thankful to be working. I'm so, you know, whatever, but this game is my favorite game of the week. Um, I just don't think that the Patriots look like they have chemistry on offense right now um the run game's obviously awesome but I just don't think that they're utilizing the weapons they have on offense the best way that they could Hunter Henry has kind of become a Mac Jones security blanket and I think he needs to work on spreading the ball out a little bit the weather in this game is supposed to be pretty shitty though um I just don't think that it's a good game for Mac Jones to head into the playoffs playoffs off of as a rookie especially one who's used to winning you know he went to Alabama he won a national championship he came to the Patriots with winning culture I don't think heading into the postseason off of a ugly win to the Dolphins is the best thing for your confidence I don't really care if you're able to bounce back or not the weather like I said is a concern despite the Bills run defense you can't attack this game the same way you did last time you were in Buffalo like you can't just run the ball down their throats they've got to know that's coming so I do think Mac Jones is going to have to spread it out to people not named Hunter Henry this week um, and I know I said I would never bet against Bill again but I am taking the Bills in this game the Sunday games start out with Eagles at Bucks. Sarah and I talked about injury to Bucks receivers last week, but regardless of that, I think the Bucks are going to fucking mollywop the Eagles, and I mean that. I do think that Ben Roethlisberger and Jalen Hurts are the worst quarterbacks in this postseason. Um, I know I just said the teams with nothing to play for really can be scary, but in a Jalen Hurts versus Tom Brady matchup, I'm taking Tom all day, and the Bucks defense is gnarly, so I think that they are absolutely going to rock this game. 49ers at Cowboys, I think this game's going to be probably the most entertaining of the week, but the Cowboys, I think, are just a little less inconsistent, in a little bit less of an inconsistent place, believe it or not. I think that, you know, they're... <sighs> Other than the Packers, I think the Cowboys are my favorite in the NFC. You know, they have a lot of talent as long as nobody gets COVID. As, like I said, I, I basically feel like this game could really depend on who cannot catch COVID. But if it stays how it is, I am taking the Cowboys. This is my other upset game, though. It would just be so Cowboys for them to finally be here and just get booted. Um the Steelers-Chiefs game, I am so excited to watch the Big Ben retirement game. As you guys know, I'm just so fucking over his career and the montages and the we'll miss you, Ben, bullshit. Like, just get the fuck out of here. Um, I do think that it is fitting for the future style of quarterback to walk him out of the playoffs, though, in Patrick Mahomes. I love you, Najee Harris. I'm so sorry. I will support you more when Ben Roethlisberger is not under center. Um, I mentioned the health of the Chiefs earlier. It's a concern, but I think that it's not really a concern when you're playing the Steelers. They just aren't impressive to me right now. 
Either way, I do think the Chiefs take home a dub and my popcorn is ready for wild card weekend. Thank you guys so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Satin Seltzers Pod, on Instagram at Saturdays and Seltzers. You can follow me on Instagram at Kendra Middleton, on Twitter at Kenny with an I Middleton. Let us know your postseason thoughts. We will have some more on our joint episode that comes out on Saturday. And I will see you guys then. Love you all. Have a good week. Plus no minus. Wake up in the morning, check the time, and then the vibes move. Peanut butter curves with jelly above the thigh. Tell them no free sample if they ever want to try. Gotta buy the whole damn pie if you ever want to slice. That's the truth. Only tell the truth. What the hell you do? You got that juice. Fresh squeeze too cute. I can tell you new, and it ain't just you. Girl, it ain't just you. It's your whole damn crew. Got the haters on mute, because they love that view. Keep looking at you. Ain't nothing new. This is not their world. They know you run the city, every town, every borough. They know you keep it real, keep it classy, keep it thorough. When Sundays are for the boys, the Saturdays for the girls. Get them, girl, get them, girl. Cause this is not their world. They know you run the city, every town, every borough. They know you keep it real, keep it classy, keep it thorough. When Sundays are for the boys, the Saturdays for the girls. Get them, girl, get them, girl. Saturday, y'all. Uh, Saturdays and Celsius. <laughs> With your hosts, Kendra and Sarah. Uh, y'all know who it is. It's your boy KR. Spot a kiss on the track. <laughs> Let's go. Uh-huh.